This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 270, and I'm talking with Shayla Houlihan. This is our second episode of our four-part coaching series that we're putting out every other week. Shayla is coaching a new professional team out in Flagstaff, sponsored by Under Armour, and they're announcing their team very soon. I know they've got a name that they're going to be announcing and sharing with everybody soon, possibly today. I don't know. I just know it's soon. So look for it. Um, But a little bit about Shayla. She ran for the University of Northern Iowa and she ran professionally from 2010 to 2011 for Team USA Arizona. Then she ran pro for Brooks until the end of 2012. And in 2010, she was ranked as the fastest steeplechaser in the U.S., She ended her career after the 2012 Olympic trials and went on to be a coach. She started as the volunteer assistant coach at the University of Utah. She was an assistant coach for Team Run Flagstaff. And then she went on to coach at the University of California, Berkeley, as the head cross country coach and assistant track coach for distance. I loved hearing about her coaching time at the University of California, Berkeley. Uh, So yeah, now she is with Under Armour coaching professional athletes in Flagstaff with Stephen Haas, who is an agent for a lot of top pro runners, including her sister, Shelby Houlihan. So we get to hear all about how that group has been started, along with her history on running and coaching. And it was really fun to get to know Shayla in this episode. Before we get started talking with Shayla, I want to thank Prevenex for supporting the podcast. This is where I get all of my multivitamins and supplements. I recently interviewed David Block, who is the founder and CEO over at Prevenex on my other podcast, the Illuminate podcast. Go listen to that episode. It's a really great episode where we get to learn about his backstory and he shares with us why he started Prevenex. If you are in this sport for the long haul, I highly recommend checking out their Joint Health Plus supplement. It not only makes your joints feel better if you're having any sort of aches and pains, it also prevents aches and pains and protects your joints. So it's a great product to check out. I take it every single day uh, along with the protein powder, the Nerfi Plus, and my kids take the Supervites. I oftentimes throw them in smoothies for them. Uh, So you can check out Prevenex and see all they have to offer over at Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your order. All right, friends, make sure you check out the other two podcasts in the Sandy Boy Podcast Network, the Up and Running Podcast with Lauren Flores and Abby Stanley, and the Illuminate Podcast hosted by myself and a couple of my friends. We rotate. All right, enjoy my conversation with Shayla Houlihan. Okay, well, today on the podcast, I'm so excited to welcome Shayla Houlihan to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Shayla. Oh, thanks for having me. I have had your sister Shelby on the podcast several times. So it's fun to talk to another Houlihan. I know. Lucky you. (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah. I know she's, uh, I have enjoyed listening to her talk on your podcast. So (laughs) she is so full of energy and, um, 
on the most recent episode too, we talked about Connie and yep. I just like, now I just love your family. So maybe we can get started talking about your family. Like, can you share a little yeah. bit what it was like growing up? You guys have so many siblings. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Yeah. There's so many of us. Um, you know, I, my, my parents are divorced and Connie is my stepmom that is basically my mom. So she basically raised me from the age of three on up and, She's, uh, she's a phenomenal woman, didn't have to do that, but did and took that upon herself. Um, but yeah, so there are seven of us total. I'm right in the middle. Um, and I'm also like the youngest of the first group of kids. So from it's my dad and then my real mom. So I'm the youngest of, of that first group. Um, and there's even a big age gap in us. So I'm 35 and then my older sister is 51. Wow. So, yeah, there's already a big age gap. <laughs> so but is then, that the next oldest or is that the oldest oldest? That's the oldest oldest. Okay. My, my next oldest, she's 40. And then my brother is 49. Okay. And then my oldest sister is 51, Kelly. Yeah. Okay. So the first set, is there three of you or four of you? There's four of us. There's four. Yeah. And then uh, with Connie, it's Shelby and then two other girls? Yep. Okay. Exactly. And then one of them is competing in college, right? She's not competing. She's um, just she's getting her degree at Arizona State. She's okay. going into her senior year this year. Okay. Well, that's so fun. Yeah. A big family. I love that. Yeah, it's been fun. And it's pretty amazing for how big the age gap is, how close we are. Mm. We have a family group text and we're constantly in contact with each other and uh, we're pretty close. <laughs> so are all seven on the group text or is it like separate group text? Uh, no, all seven of us are. Really? And some of like their um, significant others um, who are married. Yeah. And then like nieces and nephews are on there too. Oh, I love so. it. <laughs> okay, so talk about this though, because so I know Connie was a two thirty five marathoner. What about your dad? Is he super athletic too? Did he compete? I forget. Tell me that story. Yeah, well, he didn't compete, but he took up running after he got divorced from my mom, and that's actually how he and Connie met. Okay, and he started running marathons. There was like this local group in Sioux City, and I think he always like was in awe of Connie, mm. and then finally got to meet her and hang out with her, and he's like. <laughs> oh, I love this woman. They like met and then kind of immediately got married and the rest is history. They've been married for 30 years, 30 years now. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Oh, time goes by so fast. It's insane. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about your running career. Cause I knew, I know you ran pro steeplechase. Um, yeah. when did you find out that you had a love for running? Were you the first of the kids in the family to really get into it? What did that look like? Yeah. Um, I started running well, and it's probably much like Shelby. Shelby was younger when she started running, but, um, I would just be following my dad and Connie around to all of their races that they were doing. And, um, I would hop in like the local, you know, mile race or whatever they had for the kids, kids fun run. And, uh, I, it was something that I was always good at, you know, at recess or whatever, I'm running around in elementary school and beating everyone. So I was like, Oh, okay. I'm pretty good at this, but it was honestly nothing I ever took seriously until probably my sophomore year of college. Oh, really? 
Yeah, I, I, I was lucky and fortunate enough for um, Coach Kepler to take a chance on me. My freshman year, I walked into his office the first day of practice, and I was like, hey, I want to run. <laughs> and I come out for the team, and he's like, uh, we have a hill workout today. We'll see if you can. Ha-. So basically, I just like went to the well that day and like tried to hang with everyone and was super positive and like tried to make a positive impact because that's really all I had to give. Uh-huh. At that, I wasn't that good in high school. So um, yeah, he took a shot on me, and uh, that I'm very grateful for it. <laughs> so was that like was that cross country or track? That was cross country. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that story. That's so cool. Yeah, I had been on campus for about a week and I had previously like in the spring I had gone into coach Bucknam who was the coach at the time and I thought he was going to be the coach um going into the fall. I went into his office and I was like, "Hey, can I walk onto the team?" and he was kind of said yes, but it was kind of like, "I don't know if this guy's going to even remember me." Um so then during the summer, I was like, I don't know, I haven't had any correspondence with anyone. And then meanwhile, Coach Kepler was given the head coaching job um, for cross country for the men and the women. And um, so I walked into the office and uh, Coach Bucknam was like, uh, ask Coach Kepler, he's the new head uh, coach. <laughs> were you intimidated? Um, I don't remember being intimidated because it was something I wanted to do. Uh-huh. So badly. And, you know, like, I guess back to my story, I uh, had been on campus for a week and I was just sitting in my dorm. I was like, Mm -hmm. I can't do this for the next four years, just sitting here and just being like a normal student. Mm -hmm. So that's when I like really decided to put myself out there, (laughs) try to sell myself to the coaches. So when you say you weren't good in high school, were you really not good or were you just like not really applying yourself? You know what I mean? Like, did you compete, but you were just kind of like, yeah, whatever. This is a fun thing. Yeah, I was doing so many other things at yeah. the time. It was it was just like I was in band. I, I was in marching band too. So early mornings for that, um, I was flight corps captain and I was in choir and I was student council vice president. Um, I was involved in anything I could possibly be involved in. <laughs> so um, cross country, I was there for that as well. But um, <laughs> probably part of the time <laughs> I would uh, – call up coach Golly and be like, um, yeah, today I have marching band this (laughs) afternoon. (laughs) Whether or not that was true. I don't know. (laughs) Your coaches were probably pissed though. Cause they were like, she would be so good. Yeah, probably because (laughs) I've had a few of those while coaching collegiately. And I'm just like, Oh man, yeah, this is, this is uh, karma. (laughs) You mean kids that have their hands in so many things. And you're like, if you would just singularly focus a little bit more. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so college. Tell us what your college career, like, w- when did you turn to steeplechase? What did that look like? Yeah, I, t- I turned to steeplechase after my freshman year. So, like, during my sophomore year is when I really um, dove into the steeplechase. And it was always something I wanted to do because in Sioux City, there's Morningside College. And there's, uh, oh gosh, I forget. The Sioux City Relays is what it is that they host. And I would always see the, the women doing the steeplechase. And it was fairly new at that point. Yeah. It had to have been in its infancy, to be honest. So it was kind of, it's to think back now, I'm like, oh, wow. Like the fact that they were running steeplechases at that time mm-hmm. is pretty cool. 
And the fact that I was exposed to it that early is, is pretty neat. So yeah, I, I, early on in high school, I was like, man, I want to try that. That looks so badass. Like I want to, I want to be one of those women. And then, so finally after my freshman year, I was like, well, I once again, didn't have a great season. I think I got hurt a bunch, all that. And like, I need to make myself useful. And we didn't have any steeplechasers at the time. And so I kind of took it upon myself to teach myself the steeplechase. Really? <laughs> um, yeah. My roommate and one of my best friends, she's a 400 hurdler, actually short and long hurdler. And she would kind of help me with like form drills after practice. So, um, yeah, that was really my first exposure to the steeplechase was my, my uh, sophomore year. So there was no... I mean, I'm assuming that you tell me, but the distance coach is usually the coach that coaches the steeplechasers. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Um, so I just honestly wasn't good enough. So it was kind of just one of those like, well, I'm going to teach myself this. Like, I don't even know if Coach Kepler knew I was doing it. He knew I was interested in it. But like with somebody that was where I was at level wise, it was kind of like, okay, you, you're all talk instead of like, let's see some action before you actually do it, you know? So that was kind of me taking actions and taking steps on my own and, um, making the commitment before he would, uh, really help me with stuff. But once I started doing it, he's like, okay, she's doing it. She's committed. So he, he then helped me. So, and he was my, he's been my coach for, almost like seven years because he coached me even post-collegiately too. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, who were your competitors in steeplechase? I mean, since it was so new, I'm trying to think you, so you're 35, so you graduated yeah. college in what, like 2007? Uh, yes, 2008? exactly. Yeah. Yep. 2007. 2007. Mm-hmm. I ran my fifth year at Utah and that was 2008. Okay. So, um, oh gosh. Um, well, I guess I, kind of think back to my Utah days and that would have been like Angela Warren okay. at BYU. Like she was so awesome. Like she was somebody that I always looked up to. Um, what was it? De- Desiree at Wichita state. Um, that was another person that I always looked up to a lot. Um, and then obviously like Anna Willard was somebody that I was like totally obsessed with, totally obsessed with. I um have a funny story actually. <laughs> yes, tell. I haven't really, I haven't really shared that often or at all. Breaking story here um, on I'll have another. Uh, oh my god, I just popped in when I said Anna Willard. So, I it was my first well, my first and only Diamond League that I I raced and it was my first year as a pro. I was running, I signed with Brooks and I somehow get into the Diamond League at Prefontaine and it's the morning of the steeplechase and I go to the breakfast and then I go to sit down and I sit right next to Anna Willard (laughs) and I'm like freaking out like this is so cool. (laughs) I text my coach and I was like "Um, I'm sitting next to Anna Willard and she's eating bacon. (laughs) I'm in love. We're both eating bacon. This is so cool. <laughs> this friendship is meant to be. I love that. Tell us about Anna Willard because, like, I don't know anything about her, and maybe some of my listeners don't either. I don't know. Like, she just, she's just got that. She always had that spunk about her, and she just always seemed so normal. And mm-hmm. that's, 
even like in my coaching or even my running career, like I always just tried to be normal Mm. to a certain degree and like not get too overly um, invested in like what I'm eating or if I'm running the exact mileage and all this stuff, like, you know, trying to focus on just what I am doing right rather than what I'm lacking. And I just always looked up to her. I always felt like, you know, she always had like a pink stripe through her hair. I always had like a pink or red or purple through my hair too. And like, just, yeah, I don't know. She's just super cool. She's super badass. Then she she moved to the 1500 and dominated there. Okay. So, yeah. When did she retire? Um, ooh, I don't know that. Okay. Probably maybe 2016. Okay. I feel like 2016 is probably when I really, because that's when I started this podcast. That's when I really started following like, you know, professional distance Mm -hmm. running. So I probably just missed like the window of following her career. Yeah. Now she's coaching too, by the way. Okay. Where does she coach? I, um, I think she's at Brown if she's still there, if she's still, I haven't really like looked her up lately, but I haven't done any stalking lately. So (laughs) (laughs) who knows? (laughs) Okay. So talk to us about steeplechase going pro, what that time of your life looked like and, and you know, I, you must've been one of the first pro steeplechasers. Um, I was probably like the second, second wind of steeplechasers. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, um, let's see. So actually like I never thought I would go pro at all. Like my priority in college, um, so my sophomore year, I guess I'll start there. Um, coach Kepler ended up leaving for the university of Utah cause he did such a fantastic job with our program at Northern Iowa. Um, so he got the head job there. He's been at Utah now ever since. And, um, so in that moment, I kind of, it was like a little bit of a wake up call cause he really wanted me to be the leader and, you know, help lead the team. And he's like, you know, coach Buckham's going to take back over. He's done it before. Trust him. He's going to do great. But like, also we're going to need leadership from within and, you know, just really express that. So I was like, and in that process, I discovered that, Hey, I can coach. Mm. This is, this is a profession. He's moving to another school. Mm -hmm. Like this is an actual thing that I could do. And at the time I think I was a business major. And so I changed my major and, um, did exercise science. And, and then in that process, I was like, Oh, I didn't love school. In that process, I realized that, Oh man, if I want to like coach at the highest level, I probably need a master's degree. Mm. Um, so I was like, okay. So, and then I kind of started planning for the future for that. And, um, that's when I went to the university of Utah, um, for my fifth year. And I also was a volunteer assistant. So coach Kepler was like, yeah, come run your fifth year. And then I'll let you, I'll pay for, you know, your school as like a grad assistant. And, um, so I did a two year program in health promotion all while helping coach and just doing whatever little tasks he needed me to do. And, and then I also was, um, running with the girls, like whatever workouts, Mm. um, he separated into like a 5k, 10k group. And then he has like the, um, 800, 1500, 3k ish group. Um, so I would kind of bounce between the two groups and I ended up getting really fit and racing really fast within those two years. Um, 
And that's when Brooks kind of came knocking on my door and they're like, Hey, we're going to start this group. Like we think you'd be a good fit for it. Um, and this was before the beasts kind of, it was the start of it basically. Um, and at the time they're like, you know, we're, we're not gonna, we don't have a coach yet or anything like that, but like ideally we'll have a group based in Seattle and we'll have this coach and, you know, years down the line, you know, something to look forward to. And I was like, cool. I'm in like cool vision. Love that. Love the company, loved their shoes already. I worked at lots of running stores, so knew they had good product. Um, yeah. And so that was kind of my transition into professional running. Never thought it would be a thing that I did. (laughs) So you followed coach Kepler. Yeah. Um, tell us some things you learned from him. I don't know much about him. Oh yeah. He's awesome. Um, Um, gosh, what did I learn from him? Lots of things on what not to do. No, (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, like he's a really organized person. So, um, I mean, and then like initially just like writing programs too, you know? So it was, it was nice. He gave me the flexibility and freedom to, um, I think at one point I wrote like, the cross country season out. And then it was kind of like turning it into the professor. I was like, okay, here, this is what I have planned. Mm -hmm. And then he would kind of move things around or he'd be like, this is great. This is awesome. Like, let's, let's actually do this, you know? So it was kind of a lot of back and forth in that way, in that manner. And I, I learned a lot just about programming and, um, just what, what he's done in the past that hasn't worked. And, um, hopefully not making those mistakes going into the future too. So does he still coach there? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. There. Yeah. So you didn't plan to turn pro, but you were the fastest ranked steeplechaser in 2010. Mm, yeah. For a period of time. I mean, that's, that's a big <laughs> deal. Um, how long, how long did you do this? I, I see that you like after the 2012 trials, you ended up calling it you know, calling the pro, calling the pro career. But like, um, I just am interested in hearing a little bit more about that experience. I just feel like now steeplechase is so much more prevalent. So I'm sure it was a little bit different. It wasn't even that long ago, but it maybe feels like longer than it was. Right. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, I think looking back, I, I wish I would have been a little bit more balanced. I think I could have run longer and, um, I think I was just really burnt out after Mm. 2012 and I wasn't making much money either. So that was a strain as well. And, um, I don't know. I think it was the right call though, for sure. Cause you know, my, my passion was in coaching and, and, uh, that's what I wanted to do. And I was able to leading into 2012, have conversations with, um, different programs about becoming a coach in their programs and stuff like that. And, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think running pro was cool and, um, the steeplechase was just kind of starting. I think the American record back then was like nine twenty or something like okay. that. So I was running nine fifty one. I think is what I ran. And, okay. you know, like, ah, uh, I, I don't know. I just kind of got to the point where I think I was in about nine forty shape and mm-hmm. I was like, is that going to be competitive on a world level? Like I want to kick ass at the world level. (laughs) Like that's what I want. So 
you know, my passion is in coaching. Like, let's get other people to that level. You know, I'll put my, my passion and my knowledge into others and hopefully help them achieve those goals. Yeah, because now the uh, record Courtney has it, right? Is it like 901? Is that what it is? Yeah, like nine. Yeah. They're going to, they'll break, they'll break nine soon. I mean, if we ever really have races again, right? (laughs) I know if they get to race, I think, oh man, her and Emma, Jesus, they're so fun to watch. (laughs) They're so fast. I was so excited when she did that. It was two, was it already been two years? It's been two years. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. And it goes to prove like how good that record is too, you know? Right. Totally. Like. Okay, so let's talk about your coaching journey then. I mean, I think it's so cool because you don't even see a ton of head coaches collegiately that are women, let alone on the pro level. So this is really cool yeah. to hear about your your journey. Yeah, no, it's um yeah, no, definitely um gosh, I owe a lot of that to um Tony Sandoval at Cal. Like the fact that, you know, he can he was able to, you know, he had this vision for like Cal distance and Cal cross country. He wanted, he wanted it to be national level, uh, men and women. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he, my first year just threw me in, he's like, all right, write the workouts. I was like, I've never coached a, a, a male to begin with. And I've never coached the 10 K. Uh-huh. He's like, it's okay. He's like, I'll be here <laughs> to help you if you, if you stumble, but like, go for it. <laughs> I was just like, what? It was awesome though. Cause I just learned so much and I learned so much so fast. And, um, we were able to, the seven years I was there, we always had an individual male or female qualifier or a team qualified. And that was his vision. And we didn't have a lot of resources invested into the distance program. I think for most years, I, on the men's side, I was averaging one scholarship between wow. seven to 10 people, you know, and, um, and like, yeah, so it was, it was, it was, uh, it was interesting. It was fun to like, it was a challenge. It was a challenge to, you know, make sure you have a entire squad and, um, make sure they're getting the right type of training so they can keep developing. Cause I was getting a lot of development type kids. And mm. I think that's almost more rewarding is, is some of my men's stories is just their humble backgrounds and the way that they progressed into national caliber, uh, runners. So, so yeah, university, California, Berkeley, I had no idea it was so small. Yeah. What the university itself is really small or is the, are the Mm -hmm. teams so small because of the lack of funding for the scholarships? Yeah. The lack of funding, not, it's not a fully funded program. So, um, you know, also part of, Tony's vision, um, for the entire, he was the director of track and field and cross country. Right. So he had to spread those resources and this is what he wanted to do was, and it's the tradition of Cal cross country and track and field that they have a broad based program. So, you know, they have jumpers, they have throwers, they have sprinters and distance runners, um, great middle, a long legacy of great middle distance runners, um, and great legacy of throwers as well. So it's like, you, um, with that and not being a fully funded program, the resources just didn't go very far. So, I mean, we would keep the squad, um, for the distance team, you know, on the men's side around probably 15 to 20 at the most, but, um, 
but the resources, a lot of them were recruited walk-ons or Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Wow. Okay. What, what, what's the main difference between coaching like a male college athlete and a female athlete? What did you have to learn to coach males? Does that, is that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, to be honest, um, men are, they just want to be directed and they, they want to just feel confident, not even confident. They, they'll do whatever you tell them Mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. And I actually found it really easy to coach the men. Um, the women want to know more details and they want to know exactly why they're doing things Uh and they want to see the plan in front of them. And to be honest, I think women are a little bit more challenging to buy into a program. The men were, I probably only had two issues with men in my entire seven years there. Um, most of them just followed along. They're like, this is great. And you know, there, there were some that would ask questions and want to see the, the program and the plan and everything. And, um, which is great. Like I welcome that always, you know, of course I have the year, uh, program written out and everything. And, you know, but you also explain that, Hey, this is going to change, you know, just because the plan is in place doesn't mean that we're going to freaking stick to it and follow everything to the T, you know? So, um, but yeah, it's just like communicating that and empowering them and creating a great team environment where they're just thriving off each other. So, and I think both genders kind of thrive in that as well. So that's the biggest, I think, takeaway from collegiate running because they have so much going on, you know, and most of my teams were like the highest academics in Cal, like for the, for all of athletics, you know, they, my men won highest GPA two years in a row. So, you know, and I think those were the two years that we went back to back to cross country nationals too. So it's like, they not only were being national caliber in cross country, but they were being national caliber in the classroom too. So, um, it's creating that structure in order for all of them to thrive because they have a lot on their plate. Would you say that's typical of, um, like collegiate athletes, I guess, runners specifically, that they're also really good students? Yeah, for the most part. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They already have that. You know, they're the type A, they're uh-huh. hardwired that way. So, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So you you mentioned like a lot of your runners are were up and comers or people, you know, walk-ons that you're kind of like, yeah. you're cultivating this this relationship with running and them to be these like higher caliber athletes. How is it different coaching someone like that opposed to someone who just like walks on and they're like really already there and like really good? Yeah. Um, honestly, that is, that's a great question because most of, cause I've also had national record holder women that have walked in, you know, Beth and Knights, Brie Oakley. Um, and they were, they came in with this expectation to be national level straight away. Right. You know, from the outsider, right. Like they're putting that pressure on them to, Oh, well, they're going to, they should be all American their freshman year. They should do, they should, you know, you're shooting these kids all, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would honestly say that they're actually pretty similar because those men and women that are high caliber, they're already working at such a high level and they already like buy into whoever their coaches are. And they're already like just 110% committed and ready to do the little things that 
um, that's kind of the same way as the walk on that has a chip on their shoulder that wants to prove themselves. So they actually match up pretty well, even though they're at two different levels. Um, so yeah, I love having both on teams cause you can't all just be studs. Yeah. It, it's just, it doesn't, it's not as much fun. I don't think. How do like, you cultivate the relationship with the kids who like, aren't as high achieving on the team to make sure that like they still feel as important as members on the team. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I did. And I think this was pretty helpful. Um, I mean, I always explain to them that they all, they, each one of them has a purpose. And like when I recruit people, I recruit people that are like very different personalities quite a bit because they all add value to the team for the great greater betterment of the team. And I just think it's fun. And especially I, maybe I was spoiled at Berkeley because you just get that quirky different kid anyways. Um, you know, they're just like wired a little bit differently. Um, but basically just explaining to everyone, Hey, you all are different, but you all have to love each other and you all have to work together. And each of you brings something to this team that the other person doesn't. And I can go around the group and tell you each person what you're bringing and what, what value you provide to this team. Um, but it's usually, it's usually a personality trait or it's usually, you know, sometimes it is like, okay, well, this is a, an 800 meter runner that's going to pull you all the way to the end, right. All the way through the finish line or, you know, stuff like that. They're different skills, of course. But, um, at the end of the day, I think mainly just the different personalities are what kind of pull the team together for sure. I love that so much. Okay. So you end up transitioning and coaching pro. Tell us why you decided to leave coaching college. Um, I, to be honest, I didn't find the right coaching situation last, last uh, summer. Um, I didn't want to move to the South. I didn't want to move back to the Midwest. Um, so it was, it was pretty limiting as far as where I was going to go. Um, you know, as far as like the opportunities out there. And I, I knew that my next move, because coaching collegiately is so demanding, you know, you're in season nine months out of the year. And then when you're not in season, you're recruiting those other three months and you just don't really have a life. So I wanted to make sure that I was spoiled once again, working (laughs) at Cal Berkeley because I was in Northern California. And when I did have spare time, me and my assistant, we would, we would go and go camping for a day or a night, you know, like you're 45 minutes away from great woodland area. And even in my backyard, it was a regional park. So I was really spoiled. And I just knew that that was something that kept me going was just having access to really cool areas to explore and, and get out and into nature. So that was the one thing I was like, I have to be somewhere that I'm going to enjoy to live. Mm. And so the opportunity just didn't really present itself. And I had high hopes to become a director of a program. Um, It's, it still might be down the road, something I would like to do, but it is a lot of work. I Mm -hmm. mean, I was already working 60 to 80 hours a week. Um, Then to be a director, you have the pressure of 
the entire team. <laughs> um, so you're working more. <laughs> if you're doing it right, you're working more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it just uh, wasn't the right situation. So I just kept saying no. I kept saying no. And in hopes that something better would present itself or I was just going to not work for a year maybe and, and see if I, I just wanted to make sure it was the next right move. And I'm fortunate enough that, you know, I don't have a family and I don't have kids. I don't have people relying on me, mm. um, for an income source. So it's like, well, it's just me by myself. I can kind of take a back seat and, um, see what opportunity does present itself for me. So Hey, everybody, a quick break here to thank HelloFresh for supporting this episode of the podcast. HelloFresh offers so many recipes to choose from each week to help you break out of your recipe rut. HelloFresh offers fresh, high-quality ingredients every week for a super flavorful experience. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences and skip a week whenever you need. HelloFresh has helped me come up with new and exciting dishes for my family. It's so nice to have weeks where I don't have to think about what we're going to make every single night or my husband doesn't have to think about what we're going to make every single night. One of my favorite recipes from HelloFresh is an Israeli couscous recipe that is so delicious. HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients mean there's less prep for you and less food waste. So you all can go to hellofresh.com slash 80 another and use the code 80 another to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit hellofresh.com for more details. Again, that's hellofresh.com slash 80 and use the code 80 another to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. All right, friends, back to my conversation with Shayla Houlihan. I love that you have that mindset, though, because I do think that um, in whatever business you're in, like, it's like, oh, if I find the right job, I'm going to go for the right job. But I love that you're like, no, I'm going to live in an awesome location. And like you talked about balance earlier, like I'm going to also find this balance so that when I'm not working, like I'm doing the things that I love. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It also seems like, though, that would be hard to do with the director position you were talking about because it's like when you work that many hours, how much balance can you really have? Yeah. No, I, I realize that, too. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, oh, my yeah, gosh. Then, then on top of all that, you have fundraising. You have, you know, you're if you're doing the director position correct, I think most of them don't actually coach that much. And it's mm -hmm. just facilitating, um, facilitating your coaches and facilitating donors and you know, just kind of being the figurehead and making sure everything, empowering your employees to do their job and feel like they have the freedom to do their job really, really well. So make sure the kids are taken care of. Yeah. What do you think one of the best qualities in a director is? Um, yeah, uh, like macro managing, you know, just making sure that they can provide um, some structure, but are, can let them, mm -hmm. let people be creative mm. basically. Cause I think of course I have an idea of how things should work, but at the end of the day, like each event coach has an even better idea, I'm sure, you know, and that's, that's kind of, you make sure you hire the right people and then 
and trust that they are taking care of what they're supposed to be taking care of while still providing some structure for them as well. Do you feel like as you get older, I'm saying this because I feel like this as I get older, I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I still want to work really hard and I want to do the things I love with work, but like, I do feel like I don't want to work my life away, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think the last, you know, since joining Under Armour, I've really realized that I'm like, oh, I was killing myself for the last seven years. And I was working myself to the bone, you know, it's just, it's nice to be able like my body, my body was so wrecked. Like I couldn't run. I couldn't run for the last four years. Because I you think were stressed so or? Stressed. Yeah. Wow. Because now I've been running for like six months straight, pretty high mileage for me and feeling fine. You know, it's crazy. So you weren't running at all when you were coaching those last four years at university? Not yeah, not really. Huh. Now, did that have an effect on your like mental state? Um, I tried to check in with myself to make sure I wasn't being an awful person. Because <laughs> we're, I mean, it's like when we can't, you know, as runners, totally. it's like when we can't run, we get like super grumpy or, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I constantly tried to check in. I mean, it. I think I was just grumpy be, anyways because of just how much stress it was there. <laughs> Well, so <laughs> tell us now, though, you have an exciting thing going on with your team and Flagstaff and um, Under yeah. Armour. So this is like a totally new life situation for you. You seem very happy and free. Yes. No, it's been it's been great. Um, yeah, we will hopefully announce our group name here in the next month. Okay. So the call I was just on, we we're kind of talking about that. And um yeah, right now we have uh, five, six-ish women um, part of the group, and then we have four guys, so about 10 total. Um, I'm trying to make sure I'm remembering everyone because there's people all over the country right now or all over the world, too. Scully's out in Ireland. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, we're starting this thing, and um starting recruiting for the group and yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's a fun time. Um, we're basically a group that's 800 on up to marathon and everything in between. So have some steeple chasers and, um, yeah, I love been, it Been fun. Okay. So Steven, he's your co-coach and he's an agent. Tell me about this relationship. Did he, and I have another question. Did he go to IU? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Cause I went to IU and I recognized his name. Um, Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So, okay. And he's, I'm assuming he's around our age. Yes. He is 37, two years older than me. Yeah. So that's probably why I recognize his name. He probably ran at IU. I did not run, but okay. Um, okay. So talk to me about how this all came about. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's also Shelby's agent. Okay. I knew that. Okay. Yep. Um, but, um, Steven and I have been, long, long friends. Um, since I was running pro, I think that's probably when we met first. And he was like at that, at when I started running pro, he was stopping running and he was, he had kind of headed up the team Indiana elite team. Okay. And then he was also like transitioning into being, becoming an agent at that time. And so we've had this relationship, like, um, I connected him and Shelby and, 
he helped me out a bunch while I was in Europe and stuck in Europe with nowhere to sleep. And, you know, he provided, made sure I I had a bed to sleep in at the end of the day, even though he wasn't my agent. So (laughs) he's just an all around good guy. (laughs) Like he's amazing. Um, yeah. So yeah, we've been longtime friends. And then like, even like probably, you know, when the coaching, merry-go-round happens at every summer it's like okay um are there jobs that like he kind of has the the nut in on that and when I knew I wasn't gonna be coming back to Cal I was like yeah I'm looking for anything I want to be a director and all this stuff so he was kind of helping me with that as well and you know putting my name out there to different programs and stuff like that and then um come around USA's he like I got this cryptic call from him and he's like he's like uh so there might be this opportunity um I can't tell you where but it's like it's like uh like with some elite like pro type runners and like would you be interested I was like okay, my one thing, I don't want to live somewhere that sucks. Yeah, that's your <laughs> I was thing. like, is it somewhere that sucks? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, no, you would like where it is. I was like, cool, <laughs> hit me up when, when I can know more details. Um, and then uh, at USA's, we ended up meeting with Hannah and Jamie, um, our Under Armour marketing uh, women. And we had a conversation, the four of us, and you know, what they were trying to build out here in Flagstaff and, uh, what their vision was for the group and, um, you know, all the groundwork that Hass had already put into it. Um, and I was like, sounds good. I, I also was like very like timid in this process too, just because I did want to make sure I was making the right choice too. So, and they were awesome with that, um, component of, my emotional state. (laughs) So, um, yeah, we just kind of took it slow, kept having conversations. Um, they brought me out to Flagstaff. So I got to like see the group set set up and everything. And, um, when I was out here in Flagstaff, I was like, yeah, I want to do this. This is pretty awesome. So, um, I don't think I told them that, but (laughs) I knew that that's where I wanted to be. And I went out to Baltimore and, you know, met a lot of the, Mm -hmm. the people out, out in, in Under Armour and talked more with Hannah and Jamie and um yeah and then I moved out in October basically okay still still pretty new I I heard you also mention on that podcast which I think it's hilarious that you said Boulder is the bougie flagstaff <laughs> <laughs> it's true <laughs> I think that is hilarious I love it there's a lot of people moving there right now they're gonna realize how expensive it is <laughs> yeah Um, okay. So was this whole, was the team idea, was this something Steven pitched to Under Armour or did Under Armour pitch to him? Um, I'm pretty sure he probably pitched it to them. I, I, I'm not real clear on that, but I think also they knew that they wanted to invest in a team and like, they, I think, I think, um, Steven really educated them on like Flagstaff and, and, um, you know, Hannah, she ran in college. She's a runner by trade. She's awesome and, like, really understands, like, the running component. So she knew about Flagstaff, too. And her college coach was Mike Smith, who's at NAU. And mm-hmm. so she knew about Flagstaff. And so I think I think it might have been a combination of both, really. But definitely this is, like, Steven's baby. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think – 
there's really something to be said for these teams. I mean, because you, well, you have Bowerman, obviously, there with Nike, and then an AZ with Hoka. And you yep. really see the brand front and center when you have this big team running under the brand. Yeah. It's smart marketing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So talk to us about what your team looks like as far as the women on the team, the men on the team. You said you range all the way from the eight to the, to the marathon. So how do you guys facilitate training with such a wide range? Yeah. Um, so let's see, we have like, so Scully, um, Steven Scullion, he's our Irish marathoner. Um, he's primarily our only marathoner right now. Um, Emily Durgan on the women's side, she will be moving up there eventually. She ran her first half marathon this, um, this winter, February. Um, so she's kind of moving towards that. She's like 10 K half marathon, um, marathon soon. And then, um, we have Sharon Lochetti Mm -hmm. who's 5k, 10k. Um, I could see her running a real fast half marathon soon. Um, but who knows? Don't quote me on that. She'll (laughs) kill me. Here's that. Um, (laughs) send her the episode. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, there's Courtney Barnes. She's a steeplechaser. She ran for KU. Her and Sharon were actually teammates at KU. Um, and then Taryn Rollins, she ran at Portland. She's like 1500, 5k. Um, and then we have Bailey, who's like our, uh, 800, 1500. Um, I'm teaching her the steeplechase as well. Um, gal. So she's like our speed demon on the team. <laughs> and then, um, on the men's side, I talked about Scully, who he's like, he's stuck in Ireland right now. So that's why I'm like, make sure don't forget Scully. <laughs> Is he from Ireland? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we have Pat Casey, uh, you know, primarily 1500. Um, and then Blake Haney ran at Oregon. Um, he was, he's almost been here. He's, he's new to the group. We're both noobs. So um, he's, he's, uh, actually has Canadian citizenship. So like, he's looking to, you know, make that team 15 or I was also teaching him the steeplechase too. So we'll see, see what happens. Never know. Um, and then, um, uh, Brandon Doty, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> um, he's a steeplechaser and, uh, yeah, steeplechase 15, maybe the five. I don't know. Which workouts do you like to jump into? The the longer distance people's workouts or the shorter? Oh, I don't do any of their workouts. (laughs) I'll bike alongside. I'll, you know, give some encouragement, some water here and there. (laughs) But you're doing, you're working out too, right? Oh, I'm just running. Just for fun. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, let's see, probably like two months ago I was doing some workouts, but it was like, why am I working out? What's the point? I don't have have anything on the docket or anything. So yeah. But yeah. Why am I putting my body through all this pain if there's not an end goal, but do you ever, when you are running, cause you said you're running like decently high mileage. Like, do you ever just throw down a tempo or something just cause you feel good? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do every so often. 
usually on like our Wednesday, we do a medium long run. Okay. So I might, well, actually, I mean, if I'm trying to like keep up with them, it usually turns into a tempo run. (laughs) Uh So I think, gosh, it was like two Sundays ago, I was hanging with all of them and it definitely turned into a tempo run because it was super hilly and I was dying, but yeah. So are you, yeah. So are you and Steven, like, are you guys, do you call yourself co-coaches? Like who's heading up most of the work? What does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we call our, each other. Yeah. Co-coaches. Um, we're trying to collaborate as much as possible, but, um, at the end of the day, he is the one kind of, uh, writing the workouts. Okay. And then I kind I give my input and, um, we make adjustments based on that, which is, it's, it's good. Um, I also, this fall, I have my, um, national strength and conditioning certificate. So I'm, I'm going to write more than likely all the strength and conditioning programs as well to like make sure that, uh, it aligns with the work we are doing. So how is it different recruiting, professionals for a team like this than when you recruit in the collegiate space? I know it's like totally different, but like, what are you doing to seek out people for your team now? Yeah. Um, it's like, it's somewhat similar, I would say. Um, especially if I, I know most of the coaches that, you know, these men and women are coming from. So I'll head up a conversation with the coach usually first. Um, if I already, a lot of these kids right now I know just from being at Cal and you know competing or I've already recruited them out of high school a lot of them so it's like second round recruiting like oh hey remember me (laughs) (laughs) so like you didn't come um, to California but now you can come run for me kind of deal exactly yeah so it's kind of fun it's like it's fun like knowing the kids ahead of time and having followed their careers and stuff like that pretty closely just being in that collegiate system. Um, but it's, it's pretty similar to, you know, what I would do at a high school too. So just making sure the coaches are in the loop. I think that's really important, especially cause like there aren't as many regulations, you know, like the, in high school, it's like, Oh, if they're competing, you can't talk to them, all these mm-hmm. things. And it's like, well, it's kind of all, I still try to honestly follow a lot of that stuff because I think it is good. Like you want to make sure people have space and, you know, you don't want to be jamming information down their throat before they're going to race. And, you know, just knowing the right timing, I Mm -hmm. think is good too. But, um, yeah, just having conversations and, and, and a lot of it is like, having conversation with the athlete and then, you know, going back to um, Under Armour, making sure that they're filled in on the conversations. And, um, a lot of times they'll be in on those conversations with the athletes as well too. So, um, yeah, just making sure everyone's on the same page and just communicating. I, I try to be as open and honest with people as possible. And it's like, Hey, this is what it looks like. Like, especially during this pandemic, it's been really weird. It's like, Hey, we might have money. We may not, you know, just like, you know, it, we, it, it's under, I'm very fortunate that Under Armour was very flexible with us and let us, you know, continue to recruit the people we were recruiting and, um, they're really invested in what we're doing. So gosh, we were so lucky, you know, a lot of, you know, Nike was shut down, you know, a lot of different companies, just there wasn't any money there. So, or, you know, they're being careful or whatever. So, um, yeah, we got to continue to kind of go through that recruiting process, which was nice. 
Yeah, what a strange year to be like starting this off because you say you moved there in October and it's like, okay, we've got a couple of normal months here and then here we go. <laughs> like everything yeah. changed and nobody really, I didn't see it coming. No, not at all. It's a it was wild. wild. Yeah. Well, it's exciting though, not the pandemic, what you're doing. Um, it's yeah. just an exciting time, it seems like. I mean, it's such a strange year, but you guys are getting this off the ground and it'll be interesting to look back four yeah. years from now and see what you guys have accomplished and where it has, has been taken to from this first year. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, uh, big things to come and we're really excited. So it should be fun to see where we're at a year from now. We're going to wrap up with some end of the podcast questions. Um, I think Emma sent those over to you. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about Flagstaff though? Um, oh, the smaller amount of people compared to the Bay Area, ah. <laughs> just the, the smaller town. And this is my second time living here and it's more crowded than it was 10 years ago. And, you know, people that have lived here for a long time complain about how many people there are here. I bet. <laughs> and I just laugh at them. <laughs> like, okay. You're like, let me it's tell awesome. you. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, cool, though, to, like, live in the Bay Area, be, like, surrounded by so many people, um, and then move back here and really be able to appreciate what I have now. Oh, that's awesome. Does it feel like a small community? Yeah, definitely. Huh. The running community here is really small, and I think everyone really cares for each other, and it's it's uh, it does feel small. That's cool. Um, all right. What is something professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Oh, um, um, well, personally, I want to keep climbing 14ers (laughs) each year, each summer I do at least one, but I would like to climb most of the Colorado 14ers. I have, I think I've done nine of them. Um, but I want to continue to see how many I can get. I'm not going to say I want to get all of them because there are some of them that I'm like, that just like, it's not very pretty. It's not in great locations and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, but I would like to see how many of them I can get. 14ers. Is that 14,000 feet of elevation? Okay. Big mountains. Yeah. Big mountains. Okay. When you hike up in the summer, when you hike up a mountain like that, what, like, what is the time that goes into that? It depends, like depends how, um, how long the hike is like the hike into like the base and then you're kind of scrambling at the top or whatever. Um, I think the worst one I did (laughs) so far has been Long's Peak and it's in the Rocky Mountain National Forest, uh, or actually park, national park. Um, and it was actually the day that Shelby broke the 5k American record for the first time. And I was with my brother and some friends. And the only thing that kept me going was knowing we didn't have any service. And we're like, when we get to the top, we might have service and we'll know if Shelby broke the record. Mm -hmm. And that was the only thing keeping me going. It was like an 18 mile round trip thing. And it's like two or three miles of scrambling at the very top. (laughs) And you're just exhausted by the time you get to that point. And I was just like, all right, Shelby's working really hard we can work hard and get to the top. And I wanted to turn around so many times, but I did it. (laughs) All right. Two follow-up questions from that. 
What's it been like to see Shelby just dominate like as her sister? It's super cool. Like I've always known it about her. I I'm sure like any of my longtime friends can like attest to it that I way back when she was in high school, I was like, my sister is going to be really, really good. (laughs) And I would just like talk about her all the time. (laughs) And, um, I just thought she was the best and like the most awesome. I was like, if she decides to, it was always, it was always that too. Like with this asterisk, like she's one of the most talented people I've ever met in my entire life. And if she, at the time she was kind of, you know, she was just being a high schooler. She was in and out of it, which was awesome. Like she's eating uh, Burger King. She's like drinking healthy, Mountain yeah. Dew, just like, like all this stuff. Like, yeah, I think that was the best thing that she could have done because she wasn't that like super serious um, high school phenom. <laughs> she got to college and she was like, oh, I should clean up my eating a little bit. So each year <laughs> she just kind of got a little bit better, like not drastically, but she just kind of chipped away at it. So it's just been cool to like see her come into her own and honestly, like see her come into like what I always thought she could be and like would be. So, and like the fact that she loves doing it is super cool. It's like, she's a coach's dream. She's just super coachable. Like somebody that shows up to practice and wants to kick everyone's butt. (laughs) What? (laughs) Like in the most positive way possible. Like she's like, I'm, I'm going to push you today. Like it's so funny seeing her and Carissa. I'm just like, they're both, kind of very similar in that way so Uh um yeah I don't know it's been it's been really cool to have like front row seats to her growing into herself professionally and you know even watching her in college too it was it was really cool because I was at all those meets too so I feel like I'm just following her or something I don't know well (laughs) it, it can't get more exciting than like seeing your sister be at the top of the world level wise like with with competing, like who, who would be more exciting to cheer for than your own sister? I know it's yeah. No one. <laughs> yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. I love well, to, it, it is wild. Cause it's like, Oh, sorry. No, you go <laughs> talking. To... Um, it, it, it is. It's like, like, and I mean, also it's just, it's so crazy because I knew she was going to be good, but like this good, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Then I, then I kind of question myself. I'm like, did I really think she was going to be this good? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. No, (laughs) it's just funny. You kind of go back and forth on it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know that I've ever interviewed someone that, um, showed as much excitement for like big, hard workouts as Shelby. Yes. It's unreal. She's that's real. Like Whenever I love listening to her interviews because I'm like, yep, that's Shelby. Like she's just raw. Like it's her, it's just who she is. She just is who she is. And like, you can't, somebody that is authentically themselves. There's just something about that that I think is really cool. Just owns themselves. And she, I think she constantly teaches me to like, you know, be better and own my, my stuff, you know? Yeah. I love it. Okay. The other follow-up question on the hiking I had was you have to give up hiking or running. What do you give up? Oh my gosh. That is a good one. Sad, right? Yeah. (laughs) But you can do one for the rest of your life, but you have to give up the other. I feel like at some point I'm going to have to give up running and I would be 110% 
satisfied with just being able to go on hikes. And I think like the past four years, since I wasn't able to run, Mm. like my body hurt that bad. I was so thankful and grateful that I was able to hike. That was my outlet, you know, and my kids would go out for their runs. I would at least get out and do a little hike or whatever. And I wasn't moving that well, but I was able to do it. So I guess probably give up running. Ooh, I hate to say that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hi- a good question. Hiking feels more peaceful based on what you've said. It just feels it feels like a really enjoyable thing. Not that running's yeah. not, but uh, what's an accomplishment you're most proud of? Probably like uh, carrying on Coach Sandoval's tradition of um, having the Cal program at the national level for you know seven years. Um, that was that was really awesome, and, and um, just the development of those young men and women. I think it was really rewarding, and um, seeing them achieve things that they came in not thinking that they could achieve was really rewarding and really cool to see, see and be part of. Do you keep in touch with some of them still? Yes. Oh my gosh. My girls. Oh my God. I love them. And my guys, I have a group of guys that graduated like with me essentially. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) we all left at the same time. We were out of there. Uh, But I had a really um, awesome group of young women that uh, we still keep in pretty close contact. I actually have um, Annie Boos, my steeplechaser. She's coming up here tomorrow to Flagstaff to visit me. So she's going into her senior year, uh, at Cal. So, um, hopefully she's been in, she's actually been in Boulder oh, <laughs> a couple of weeks. Bougie Flagstaff. <laughs> um, but she's, uh, she's, she's coming up here and I'm excited to have her up here for a couple of weeks, just kind of train with the team and hang out, eat pastries and drink coffee. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's your favorite coffee shop in Flagstaff? Um, Lux. It's a new one in Flagstaff and it is so good. Um, it's kind of like this little hole. You don't even know it's there unless you know it's there. It's like a hole in the wall. You walk up, you get your coffee and then they do have like some outside seating, but you just take it and you walk around downtown Flagstaff. It's awesome. It's really great. Sounds wonderful. Okay. Who is someone fun, motivating or inspiring you want to have coffee, tea or cocktail with? Well, um, because it's my boy Barack Obama's birthday today, that's that's who I would like to have uh, probably birthday. a tea or coffee with. Yep. Did you see that Michelle Obama started a podcast? No. And I think he was her first guest. Oh, my God. I have, I have to listen to that. I'm going to listen to that today when we get off, actually. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's his birthday today. So don't quote happy me. birthday friends I don't I just like saw a tweet or something that he was her first guest so I could be wrong this is not something I've researched but gosh they're goals yeah I I love that (laughs) I love that okay what's what's the best most recent book you've read um I'm actually finishing (laughs) um the subtle art Mm. of uh yeah not giving a we talked about this on Shelby and Carissa's episode because I think I've Carissa's reading that. It. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so funny. I'm just finishing it. Is so it good? I have one more chapter left. Yeah, it is. It's really good. It like reads really easily and he's just really funny the way that the way that he it's like he's speaking to you. 
So I enjoy that. And there's just little tidbits. You can, it's one of those books that you can just kind of pick up and um, probably start it from anywhere and you'll pick up something that you're like, oh yeah, I need to be better at that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it sounds good. I need to add it to my list. Um, I'm currently reading Daisy Jones and the Six. Have you read that? No. Is it good? So good. I'm like, it's a, you know, it's a fun read. It's not like a self-help or anything, but like, yeah, it is like, I started it maybe three or four days ago and I can't like, I don't want to do anything because I just want to read. And I'm like, Lindsay, you can't do that. You have things you have to do. Um, but I'm already sad for when it's going to be over because it's so good. It's just like, Oh, that's great. You get so into the characters. It's about a band in the sixties. I want to say, um, yeah, it's really good. Have you read educated? No, but I have it on my list. Yeah, and that's what I'm about to start as well. I've heard really so. good things. Lots of people have recommended yes. that one. Yes, I'm excited to read it finally. I feel like I know everything that it's about, but I kind of need to read this for myself. I know. I'm trying to think what book it was that I just sort of recently finished that someone said, if you liked that, read Educated. And now I can't remember. That's annoying. I'll put it in the show notes. All right, here's our last question. What's your one message to send to the world? Uh, be kind to yourself. That's what I tell all of my athletes. Um, because I think we're just so hard on ourselves all the time. I know I'm hard on myself, um, you know, having big expectations for myself and others around me. So always just be kind to yourself, take a step back and pat yourself on the back as cheesy as that sounds. You're doing great. (laughs) I love that. Pat yourself on the back and read a book that you can just not have to think Exactly. You know, just put your feet up. Put your feet up. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Oh, hey, Shayla. Well, this was really fun. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me. Good luck with the team. And I am anxious to know what the name's going to be. Are you guys like sitting in boardrooms, like trying to figure this out? Because I like naming something is really hard to do. Oh, it was really hard. We have a name. We have a logo. Yep. It's ready to go. It's just kind of fine-tuning everything, making sure we, – we don't want to be, like, hasty with, like, just dropping it. Yeah. and big deal. You know, we want to make sure we have the structure in place to really get this thing off the ground. So, yeah, we haven't – it took us forever, though. I will say the Flagstaff community, and hopefully the uh, logo will, will do the same as well, and um, it should be a name that's sustainable throughout some generations. So, When are you planning to announce it? Um, I, hopefully at the end of this month. Okay. So fairly soon. Okay, cool. All right. Well, have a great rest of your day. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Bye, Shayla. Yeah. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you, Shayla, for coming on the podcast. You guys can find Shayla over on Instagram. She is S-H-A underscore L-A-Y underscore L-A. And make sure you look for that announcement with her team out in Flagstaff. Really excited. I also recently interviewed Emily Durgan, who is one of the athletes on her team. And that episode will be coming out fairly soon as well. You all can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine, where we have a group as well. If you have enjoyed this podcast or this episode, please consider sharing it with your friends on social media. That is one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. Um, And if you have like one minute, that's all it takes. 
If you could leave us a rating and review on iTunes or whatever app you're listening on, that would be a huge way to support the show. I also have additional bonus episodes over on my Patreon page. And that's patreon.com slash lindsayhine where you can support the show for as little as 3 or $5 a month and get those extra episodes. All right, friends. I hope you're having a great day. Have a wonderful rest of your Friday. And as always, I will see you next Friday.